Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. This is David from the Think Leaders team. Had a really interesting conversation today talking all about how we can promote AI literacy. We were talking with Karen Badia, who is the senior vice president at the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Hey, and as you might notice, uh, we are recording remote uh, given everything that is going on. And this is also a good time to uh, remind yourself to wash your hands, practice some social distancing and be safe. On the flip side, hopefully it's a good time to sit back, relax and listen to our conversation. Happy listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. Today, we're talking all about AI literacy and digital literacy and how we can go about promoting that more in the skills that we have and the business community overall. Really excited today to have Karen Badia. She is the Senior Vice President at the New York City Economic Development Corporation. So Karen, welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. Thank you for having me, David. To give us a little context for our conversation today, I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about your work with the New York City Economic Development Corporation. We're considered the city's economic engine, and we're behind some of the city's boldest ideas from reviving Times Square to opening the brand new Cornell Tech campus on Roosevelt Island. So the way that we accomplish economic development in New York is by three primary ways. The first way is that we own and operate about 66 million square feet of real estate throughout the five boroughs that we leverage for strategic development. We also build infrastructure throughout the city. So some of the examples include broadband and commercial corridors, as well as the New York City ferries that have been recently been deployed throughout the five boroughs and connecting our waterfront areas. And the third way is that we invest in industries and in innovations. This includes our investments in technology, healthcare and life science, urban tech, resiliency, manufacturing. And our goal is to support entrepreneurship, innovation in established companies, and creating good jobs in the process. And that's the third area that we just mentioned is the area that I primarily focused on, particularly in the creative and applied tech sectors. Uh, Generally speaking, when you think about AI and your work at the NYC EDC, How do you see that AI is emerging as a catalyst for innovation? We're seeing data science and artificial intelligence being used by our finance sectors, healthcare, media, real estate, pretty much all the dominant industries that you see in New York. They're leveraging artificial intelligence and leveraging their data extensively. Some of the areas that we've seen grow is investments in AI over the past five years In New York City, we've seen record growth in VC funding compared to the Bay Area, Boston, and Montreal. And we've also seen in New York City, we have the highest number of machine learning job openings compared to any other metro area. So artificial intelligence is an area that's growing tremendously throughout the world, but especially in New York City. And it's an area that we're keeping an an eye towards to make sure that New Yorkers and New York industries are able to capitalize on that growth. There seems to be a strong relationship, though, I imagine, for any type of uh, venture capital investment into artificial intelligence with having to have the necessary workforce to have those digital skills. And really, that's the, the, the focus of our conversation today. So I'd just be curious, Karen, from, from your perspective, what you're seeing in that area about promoting these AI and, di- and digital skills. So as I mentioned, we're seeing industries like healthcare and like finance 
uh, think about ways in which they could leverage data and also think about ways in which they could integrate technologists and data scientists throughout their uh, processes and thinking about new types of products that they're creating as well to create better, better efficiencies too. And that mandates a workforce that is knowledgeable about these industries. And that ranges throughout the entire spectrum. I mean, auto automatically, when we're thinking about these technology sectors, we're thinking coders, developers, people with very deep technology skills. That requires, of course, greater tech training from all the way from K-12, uh, the Department of Education focusing on this through integration of data science for all computer science for all classes as well. Organizations like nonprofit organizations focused on AI for all too. And in addition to the primary school ages, K-12, we're also thinking about what are ways in which we could ensure that in our colleges and our universities, in our adult workforce, we're also thinking about ways to increase the capacity of people who are focused on these tech skills through software engineering programs and other types of boot camps, vocational training that can prepare New Yorkers for these types of skills. There's also another critical component too, and that is thinking about the other types of jobs that are being created as a result of these emerging technologies and as a result of artificial intelligence growing. And that is people who are better able to understand what the technology is capable of and people who have the business savvy, not only the technology skills, you don't have to be a coder in order to understand what the benefits of this technology could be. And so we also need people who are industry experts and who are business experts as well, who have a working knowledge of the technology to understand where its value could be implemented and what value could be derived from it too. So there are all sorts of new types of jobs that require this kind of translational understanding of the technology into real world implementation across industry as well as government. Well, that's always an interesting area of discussion. For example, I saw in a recent op-ed in Cranes, New York, the name of the op-ed got right to the point and said, in New York and across the nation, there's a jobs boom, but a training deficit. I'd be curious to hear your opinion about uh, whether you agree with that statement. And if you do, what we can do about any type of training deficit that we might have. I think that's accurate. And I think a lot, a lot of work needs to be done with public and private partnerships really taking a lead on this. It's an incumbent upon government to think about different types of training programs that will help provide the foundational skills to our workforce. Like I said, not only in education, K-12 education, but also thinking about the current adult population. How do we ensure that they have the types of training programs that are necessary? But it's also incumbent on us to think about how do we ensure that these types of training programs go across all different geographies in New York and also reaches low-income adults in New York City as well. The op-ed that you were citing in Cranes, I think, is accurate. However, I also think that there's you know, a number of programs that exist out there that have proven to be uh, successful in adults, and those have to be scaled. And let's imagine we're talking about rescaling and upscaling in the private sector. What are some ways you, you've seen this successfully done or potential best practices? The private sector has to be equipped to think about various jobs and positions as an opportunity for these types of lifelong learning programs and integrating that into HR functionality, thinking about options in which people can 
go out and actually develop these skills and learn these skills as well. I think it's incumbent not only for the success of their business, but as we're thinking about the skill sets that people are going to be needing and we're thinking about the future of work, the skill sets that they're going to be needing in order to be able to thrive requires them to improve critical thinking, problem solving, more of the creative sector types of skills, but also thinking about integration of technologies into the work that they're currently doing. That integration of technology is going to be incumbent across the board, and it's not something that's just limited to engineers. I'd be curious to hear your perspective and and opinion about why more people who potentially could get these skills are, are not getting them right now. So I think parts of it are thinking about the role that the private sector has in upskilling and reskilling. And there are definitely efforts that the private sector are putting into place. Definitely, it needs to be scaled. We're also thinking about the kind of digital literacy and literacy about data as well as artificial intelligence that needs to happen across the board, including with government, also including just the public sector. And what I mean by that is just civil society, the everyday public, better understanding what their data is being used for, how it's being used, what are their rights when it comes to data. Secondly, better understanding what is artificial intelligence, how is it being used right now, how is it affecting them right now as well. This will empower them to be in a position to better understand what not only their rights are, what are opportunities in these fields for them. So there are opportunities for job growth and career growth as well, but also providing them with the skills that they need or the critical thinking once they have an understanding of data as well as artificial intelligence If there are decisions that are being made, whether it's by government or by the private sector that's potentially going to be affecting them, and more and more so as decisions are being made by artificial intelligence, as decisions are more and more so made based on data that's being gathered from themselves and from other people, they'll be in a better position to demand accountability, to demand explainability of those decisions as well. I see in your role with the New York City Economic Development Corporation, you're currently spearheading the Center for Responsible AI and Data. I'm curious to hear where you think we are right now with responsible AI and how that can be better tied in with this general AI literacy. I think right now there are a couple of steps that we're intending this New York City Center for Responsible AI to help spearhead is to be a safe space where we could bring together all of the different parties to be able to have those, those difficult conversations around under what circumstances are we willing to use artificial intelligence. So if you're going to bring together people across the public and private sectors to have these difficult conversations, that means that you're going to be bringing in people who are not only technologists, but you're going to be bringing in the public, how their various communities are being affected by these technologies, how their communities are being affected by different types of data that's being collected and used about them. But it also requires regulators to come to the table, government officials to come to the table, legal scholars, lawyers, just across the board. We want this interdisciplinary group of people and a variety of different perspectives to bring in their knowledge and skill sets and expertise as we're thinking about AI development and making sure that there is explainability, there is accountability, and there is fairness. And AI literacy and data literacy provides that fundamental level of understanding so that you're able to get an informed public and informed civil society who are able to contribute to the conversation. It seems like a lot of our conversation is really hitting at this idea that we need more 
interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary types of thinkers and exposure. Karen, you yourself have a background as an attorney, currently the principal of your own law firm, where you advise tech startups on corporate issues, financing, and overall business strategy. I'm really curious, what was your own path of getting more involved with technology and AI? The transition that I made, I was practicing law at a firm specifically capital markets law, helping companies raise money to scale their work in various parts of the world. And interestingly enough, this was around the time that the Affordable Care Act was being implemented. And I myself didn't fully understand the Affordable Care Act. A number of my colleagues who were also lawyers didn't understand it. Now, granted, we, we practiced capital markets law. We didn't practice healthcare law. But at the same time, I thought it was a shame that we weren't able to understand it and how it was going to affect us and our families. And I was thinking about, well, what about the greater public? What about the elderly? What about people who are immigrants? There was all sorts of misinformation that was out there that I thought to myself, what is the best tool by which people could become better educated on these types of policy initiatives and not only be informed, but also take action in some capacity? And so what I did was I left my firm and I actually started a company. It was a tech startup. Everybody that I knew in New York had a mobile phone or a smartphone. And throughout the world in my travels, I also saw in most poverty-struck areas throughout the world, people had access to a mobile phone, if not a smartphone as well. And I thought it was a tremendous opportunity to leverage this technology, this tool, to get people access to information and to help them better their opportunities as well. So with the Affordable Care Act, the platform that I developed digested information so that it provided them with various perspectives on how they would be affected by the Affordable Care Act, but also helped them think about ways in which they could connect with local navigators in their language and their community to sign up for insurance as well. Whatever the discipline that we're in, if we're in public policy, if we're in law, if we're in healthcare, how could technology be used as a tool to empower people? And that's exactly what I wanted to do is to take my background in law and my education and my master's in public policy as well to think about leveraging technology as a tool to help. Well, Karen, I think that's a good way to transition into our final question, right? Is when you're thinking about AI as a tool, what are you most concerned about? And then, and then finally, what are you most excited about? When I think about artificial intelligence, you know, there are two sides to any type of technology. The initial side of it is incredibly inspiring and exciting. And that is thinking about all the ways in which artificial intelligence could actually and has been actually helping people do a number of different things in regards to the coronavirus. And what I mean by that is that, first of all, it's being used to track and to forecast outbreaks. So there are reports about an AI company in Canada called Blue Dot that was able to identify some sort of anomalous like behavior and anomalous type of uh, virus that was coming out of the Wuhan province in China nine days before the World Health Organization was able to spot that. They were taking hundreds of thousands of articles in you know, over 65 different languages and being able to process and sift through all of this information more so than human beings would be able to do to identify any kind of reports about pneumonia-like symptoms, flu-like symptoms, something that was very strange that was happening and emanating from this particular area. They were also able to look at different flight records about transportation that was coming out of the Wuhan province 
um, the volume of people that were traveling across the world coming from there to better be able to track where the greatest likelihood of outbreaks that are going to stem from that particular vector. And so artificial intelligence can be used to track and to forecast outbreaks. And in fact, it did in this particular instance. Mm. Artificial intelligence could also be used to diagnose and monitor diseases by increasing the capacity of healthcare workers by imaging and diagnosing CAT scans and greater ability. It can also help with drug therapies and discoveries as well. There are a lot of different ways in which artificial intelligence can be used and have been used in the past. And we're just at the cutting edge of what can be done, particularly when it comes to this disease as well as other diseases too. My concern about artificial intelligence and data as well is to make sure that we're being very deliberate about how these technologies are being used to make sure that they don't have disparate impacts and harmful impacts on various communities, to make sure that the technology is being used to benefit all of us. The technology is also something that's accessible for all of us as well and that that these technologies are also a pathway to economic success for all of us too, and that we could all be the workers and the founders of different types of products and services that are leveraging these technologies. And that's going to require us to be very deliberate about ensuring that the technologies, whether it's artificial intelligence or other technologies that are emerging, are responsible. Well, Karen, as they like to say, right, with great power comes great responsibility. So I really appreciate our conversation talking about deliberate use of AI and expanding these AI and and digital literacies. So Karen, thank you for coming on IBM Think Leaders podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you for listening to IBM Think Leaders podcast. We really appreciate it. And always like to spread the message and spread our podcast. So if you don't mind, tell a friend about it and where they can like and subscribe.